Hello and welcome to the Miraculous Being series. I'm your host and self-awareness coach Shweta Shivraman and this is a show where we discover, learn and implement lessons from others' life journeys. Others who I believe epitomize miraculous in its truest spirit. Individuals who live life to the fullest, who worked hard on themselves to reach where they are and are passionate in what they do. Today's speaker is Ajay Ushagant, an entrepreneur turned teacher who's currently teaching the Vedas to budding entrepreneurs in Bangalore. I'm curious and excited to hear about Ajay's journey and some interesting perspectives that he's going to share about our personality and how we can have great relationships. Let's dive in. Hi Ajay, thank you so much for coming on the Miraculous Being show. Looking forward to our conversation today. Pleasure. Perfect. Um, I think um, your journey was very fascinating when I heard it the first time, and maybe it'll be great for the audience to hear it as well. Uh, maybe if you could start from your journey from entrepreneurship to spirituality. Well, I was born, I'm a Gujarati, born in a proper Gujarati business family. Um, uh, my earliest memory of spirituality was my grandfather reading the Gita, but he passed away early. And then Nothing happened, right? So I moved on with life, started my own business. And 2001, I lost my dad, mm-hmm. right? And when I lost my dad, uh, I cremated him. And that's the time I was wondering, you know, he was a person before and now he was a body, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know where the bugs happened that I wanted to know what kept the body alive. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that's where my search started in 2001. So uh, I studied under several teachers. And uh, it's only in 2001, 2002 that I realized that uh, uh, I remembered some of the shlokas my grandfather used to chant. Right? So water must have seeped underneath and this come up. And I, I did continue my business and also study the scriptures. In 2014, um, September, I decided to take some time off and uh, commit to study of the scriptures with some personal issues that I had. And uh, that's when I committed a lot of time to understanding Adi Shankaracharya's commentary on the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads. So, yeah, so basically that's what it is. And this is where it has got me today. Yeah. And it must have been a stark contrast, right, from being an entrepreneur to entering into the spiritual realms. Uh, what were struggles that you faced getting into spirituality? You know, you know, um, I'd like to say this, and um, we all think that, you know, there is a family life, there's a work life, but actually there's only one life. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you, when you, start walking the spiritual path, I think the first thing that clears is the these cobwebs and the notions that, you know, we have different aspects of life. Yes, that is there, but we can compartmentalize them is what becomes very clear that there is no such thing as compartmentalization of life. You are one person, right? And whatever happens, okay, whether you're walking the spiritual path or an entrepreneur path or a work path, 
you are going to have problems, right? And spirituality or the tools that the scriptures give us are tools which can help us improve the quality of our life, mm -hmm. right? So I think you must be knowing that Arjuna was asked not to walk away, but to stand up and fight, right? Yeah. So spirituality doesn't say walk away. It says stand up and fix whatever needs to be fixed, face the problems that you have to face. But it gives you a certain attitude and a few tools which helps you deal with the situation a lot better. I think that's very interesting because a lot of times when we think of spirituality, we think of religion, God, faith, and you know it, that takes us away from a very different, in a different, very tangent, that takes us away from our modern life and makes it feel like it's not applicable in our day-to-day -day lives, is it? Now, the way you put it, it makes it makes me think saying that that is something we need every day, every moment of our lives, right? In terms of what attitude are we approaching life with? Exactly. See, um, so I give this argument it's, or explanation. Let's say I've had an argument with my spouse. Hmm. Okay. And I've decided I'm done with her and I'm going to go to Rishikesh to meditate. She may be physically away from me, but is she mentally away from me? So spirituality is not a change in setup. It's a change in a value structure born out of inquiry, resulting in a change in understanding. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think in, uh, if you look at the life of King Janaka, right? Janaka was a king, but he was an enlightened person. Mm -hmm. Right? So therefore, the notion that, you, you know, I think nowadays with all these videos and all that, we see people meditating like this on the banks of the Ganges. Okay. I think it's just, uh, I don't know what to say, but I think it's, you know, we have an eupotica idea about what life should be or what spirituality should be, right? And it doesn't work like that. Very beautiful, very beautiful. I, I often quote uh, Jiddu's line in this saying that, you know, self-discovery happens in the chaos, right? A lot of times all these tourism industries are promoting self-discovery in the Himalayas, but nothing really happens there, right? When you're in the inter, you know, in your relationships, in your interactions, in your chaos, can you discover yourself there, right? Uh, the inquiry happens in the chaos, right? Not somewhere separated. And like you rightly said, you might be physically away, but mentally you're still carrying all of that with you wherever you go. Exactly. So, you know, there's a, there's a teacher who gives this example. He says, um, converting or dividing life into materialistic life and uh, spiritual life is trying to cross the ocean with one feet in two boats. Right? You'll never cross it. So he says the simplest thing is understand there is one life. Okay? Make that spiritual and make your journey beautiful. Very, very powerful, right? That's such a vivid imagery. It, it may, you almost immediately see that it's impossible to do it with two separate boats, right? So it's really about how can we bring it together? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And as you say it, right, what I'm realizing is that a lot of us, at least in, you know, if I can say like the generation that we are in today, we are so far away from that spirituality, right? Let alone uh, our attitude towards others and other people, there is so little self-acceptance or faith or belief in our own selves or there is just so much doubt and it you know we incapa incapacitate ourselves in so many different ways uh, where does a person who's still there start their journey of spirituality 
So, you know, there's a verse from the Mundaka Upanishad which says, Pariksha Lokan Brahma Chitan Karma, Karma Veda Nirveda Maya, right? So, basically, the teacher is telling the student, okay, the only way you can grow is through inquiry. An inquiry about what? How you have lived your life. Okay. Okay. And look at it objectively. So, I, I tell my students whoever comes, say, let's look at the journey of any individual, irrespective of caste, creed, sex, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. He is born helpless, correct? Yeah. Right? Even, even his sustenance to live depends on a woman. Okay? And it starts with the first relationship of a mother being looked upon as God. Yeah. Correct? The child grows up and then within a few months he realizes that the second entity, okay? And between the two of them, they seem to decide my fate. Mm. Correct? So now, he's helpless. Okay? He's also confused. Mm. Right? And then as he grows up a little more, he realizes, hey, listen, if I need something, okay, unless they validate my behavior, I'm not going to get something. Mm. Right? And this cycle keeps repeating day in and day out. Right? He goes to play school, same old story. But with every interaction or every experience in life, he starts realizing, okay, that I cannot trust. Mm. Right? So I give this example. Let's say he's gone to school and he's punched a guy, right? And he thought the secret remains in school. That evening, he's getting a pastry, right? Now, sometimes he tells his mom or dad something, and before you realize it in a dinner conversation, the, the, mm. it, it's the topic, right? So, with being helpless, with being confused, okay, there is this new element of trust, mm. right? He realizes he can't trust, but he sees no other way. He goes to normal school, then there's competition. Right? Now, he goes to high school, same old story, right? He goes, let's say he get, he starts dating or whatever it is. It's always competition, feeling of helplessness, confusion, inability to trust. Yeah. Right? And then he finishes his studies, goes, gets a job, right? And then he realizes the same old story. Right? Then he grows, he decides that let's, let me get married, correct? And things will change, mm. right? Big surprise, <laughs> right? It's the same thing that repeats. Then he thinks that, you know, if I have kids, maybe it's going to change the dimension, okay? But he realizes the same thing. It's always a repetition of the same thing. Now, let's say this man has put in a lot of effort, been successful, reasonably, okay? And he reaches the age of 45 or 46. And let's say there's an event with someone close to him. Let's say a friend of his has had a heart attack or he's lost a dear one in the family. And then he pauses, mm. right? And the new word for it is called existential crisis. Mm. Right? But it's actually not that. What happens is, at that point, he pauses and he starts evaluating his life. 
And he keeps seeing that there's no connection between what he is doing and what he is getting. Also, there is no connection between what he wants and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Right? And then he pauses and if he finds someone to help him fix this, it's fine. But what actually goes on in the person's head is, hey, can I trust my own decisions? Because whatever I've taken has not given me what I've wanted. Mm. Right? So if you find some kind of an answer or a window to finding that answer, okay, he will look for it. If he doesn't, then he goes back to doing life, living life exactly the way he's lived it, but with a lot more gusto, saying that I'm not going to repeat the same mistakes again. Okay, mm. sometimes gets into drinking problems, extramarital affairs, right? This is how a person gets stuck, mm. right? Now, what is what is actually the cause of the problem? Okay. He sees that his opinion and acceptance of himself is dependent on the opinion and acceptance of others about him. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's always a gap. Mm -hmm. And whatever he does, that gap is not getting bridged. And therefore, he's insecure, uncomfortable. Right? And since he knows no better way to fix it, he goes back to his old ways. Mm. And this is the story of everyone's life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way you narrated it, I think, I think it will be so relatable for anybody, right? I think we've all been through that journey and find ourselves insecure, unsure, and not knowing a better way like you said, right? That we, we only know the way we've been living so far ignorantly and that's the only way we know. And we know it is not giving us what we want, you know? At some level, maybe that awareness is already there, but we don't know any better, so we keep doing the same thing. So what does one do then? So what I ask the person to do is first ask yourself, are you a person or a personality? Tell me more. Okay. So if you're a person, there is no problem. Hmm. Because you're constant, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. But you're actually a personality. Hmm. Okay. And what is this personality? Is it real or is it a phantom? Hmm. Okay. And what constitutes the personality? Okay. Right? So invariably, a person comes back and asks, her, how do I start this inquiry? So the scriptures say, okay, if you look at a person, his opinion and acceptance of himself is dependent on the opinion and acceptance of others about him. That's the personality. Now, how is this personality born? Right? So the scriptures say you can divide it roughly for the purpose of understanding into five segments. How you see yourself as the body, mm. the mind and the intellect, number two, your relationships, mm. your profession, and your possessions, what you own. Mm. And these are like five 
axles or whatever you want to call it, all affecting one another. Mm. Right? So let me give you a simple example. Let's say you've got a headache. Mm. Right? Your body is not okay. Someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, Shweta, let's go out for a coffee. You're in no mood. Mm. Right? Then someone comes and says, uh, I'd like to have a discussion with you. You're not there. Someone comes with a work problem. You're not available. Right? And let's say at that point, someone comes and gives you something you really longed for. It wouldn't interest you. Right? So they are all connected to each other. And in normal course of life, okay, since there is no awareness, we don't know which one is moving what. Yeah. Right? So again, let's take the example. I've had an argument with my wife. Okay. I'm not in the mood to do anything. And the security person comes to me and asks me for something. And I let fly. Right? So it's not the security person who's actually the cause of anger, but someone else, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Similarly, when we live our lives, we don't know which one is the cause of the problem, mm. right? And this is always fluid, yeah. right? So once you understand the personality is fluid and has these five components, which are determining the personality, then we have some kind of a chance to deal with it, to address it. Hmm. Very interesting. So the way you call this, this phantom self that you're talking about is more about things that we've gathered through our experiences and our interactions over the years and things that we believe to be ourself, but in a way, not really our true self. Is that, am I getting the understanding right? Exactly. So let's say, let's take, I'm going to divide these just to, for the purpose of clarity. Hmm. So you're a woman hmm. and I'm a man, right? Yeah. We're never going to be perfect, hmm. right? We're going to change. Yeah. Right. With age, we're going to have illnesses. One day we're going to perish, right? Second is however much we try, okay? We can change our impact probably one or 2% or 5%. Hmm. Right. Once we acknowledge this, then we ask ourselves, if we look at, let's say, the Mr. Universe or Miss Universe, and then you see, you know, these are the parameters that an mm -hmm. ideal man or a woman should have. You stop comparing yourself. You say, hey, this is who I am, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And to the extent you accept it, you're free. There's relative freedom. Yeah. Right. Now, let's say... Let's take the mind and the, which consists of the emotions and the intellect, mm. right? So if you're a person who gets angry, okay? And society says anger is not good for you, right? You can start working in yourself only if you acknowledge you're angry, right? Yeah. Right? Or let's say you're good in drawing, but you're not good in numbers. To the extent you acknowledge that this is what I'm good at, okay? To that extent, you'll start becoming comfortable with yourself. The impact of society can be a tool to help you improve, but it doesn't determine who you are. Hmm. Yeah. Right? 
take relationships. We have core relationships, you know, secondary relationships. Let's take the simple core relationship, okay, of a parent and a child, mm. right? A child is who the child is. However much the parent wants to change the child, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? And if the parent doesn't understand, understand this, the child is going to all their life struggle, isn't it? But the moment the parent understands, hey, this is how this child is, or I understand this is how I am in this relationship, he can do something about it. Yeah. Same with profession. You can't have everyone becoming Bill Gates. Yeah. Right? Or everyone becoming a chess player. You understand what I'm good at, and you try and excel in it. Yeah. Right? If someone says you're not good at your work, you can look at ways and means to improve the quality of your work, but you stop, you stop judging yourself. Right? And take the last part, the, the possessions part. We are not who, what we possess, isn't it? The BMW never says that, hey, listen, you know what? This is my owner. It is we who actually go pick up the car say we are the owner and become miserable when someone touches us. Yeah. Right? Now, the moment you understand this is how that phantom works or this is the constituents of the phantom and you have some kind of discomfort in your life or some kind of difficulties you're facing, this becomes easy for you to pause, introspect, reflect and ask yourself, hey, is the problem where is it coming from? And once you get to the cause, then you have some chance of addressing it. Right? Otherwise, it's all band-aid. Right? You fix the effect, and after some time, you realize it's coming out somewhere else. Yeah. Right? And once you understand it's not only moving, but it's a phantom, then you can address it appropriately. There is a certain amount of inner leisure, okay, which helps you in addressing the personality and its problems, okay, and refining it so that it improves the quality of your life. Mm -hmm. There is no perfection. First of all, please understand, okay? We are looking at refining it so that we can live a peaceful, comfortable, okay, and effective life yeah very interesting so it's more about inquiry so that you start becoming aware which of these aspects is really affecting and find like the root cause and in a way sort of embrace the strengths that you have in you your natural skills and also accept the shortcomings right and then say if this is really the problem what can i do to address it rather exactly. than fixing band-aids on it right and I'm going to ask you a question that I usually get because I work with a lot of these high achievers and ambitious professionals, right? And they often ask me saying that, uh, you know, you say acceptance is the problem, but uh, if I accept my own shortcomings, won't I just get complacent, right? And that's a way they kind of keep driving themselves up against the wall and uh, stay in that friction all the time because they feel that is what will propel them to greater success. What would what would you probably say to them? 
So my definition of acceptance is that the moment you accept a fact, it allows you to exercise your free will. Okay. I give this simple example. We're having this conversation and you're being nice to each other and suddenly I start abusing you. Hmm. Right? And now I'm controlling the way you think. I'm controlling you indirectly. Okay? Yeah. You're going to be thinking, hey, this guy was sane so long. Suddenly what happened to him? Okay? But let's say for a moment you say, you know, this guy was talking reasonable amount of sense. Maybe this has a small message to be given. Right? And you accept it. Now you have the freedom to choose the next steps. As long as you are unable to accept something, what you don't accept controls you. Hmm. Right? The second is the scriptures never say contentment as in, you know, uh, simple living and high thinking. It's actually stupid living and shabby thinking. You know, stupid thinking and shabby living, right? What the scriptures say is you need to understand acceptance means I am comfortable with what I have now. Okay, I am going to work to accomplish whatever I wish. Okay, but my happiness is not determined on the outcome of what I want to pursue. So that famous word, Karmani Eva Adhikarasthi, right? Yeah. It actually says only one thing. It says you have right over the action and not the result. Right. Right. The moment you accept this, then you're free, isn't it? But every achiever, do you think he's content with the action or is he looking for the reward? Always the reward. Right. And he's never going to get what he wants. Yeah. Because in the Gita, Bhagavan says, Gahana karma no gatihi, right? Okay. He says the law of karma is so complex, you can never actually get exactly what you want despite any amount of hard work. Right. So we are postponing our happiness to a future date only to become unhappy again. Yeah. And that is what our, all our life is, isn't it? We are unhappy, unhappy, unhappy and one day we die. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that, right? Um, accepting the fact gives you the free will to choose your response to what's happening and to the extent you don't accept, you're controlled by it. Uh, I really exactly. love that. Beautiful. Wow. And I'm curious, right? You spoke about how the phantom self and the personality has these five aspects to it and how uh, when we understand the root cause of where it is coming from, we are kind of free from it in a sense, right? How can we use that in our day-to-day -day lives or how can it really help us improve the quality of our lives in all these modern contexts that we're living in? See, there's a difference between perfection and excellence. Yeah. Right? And I give this simple mantra to most people. Can I be better than what I was yesterday? Yeah. Right? And second is, 
I identify what is actually holding me back in my life in living a proper fulfilled life, right? List it down, find out which category it belongs to. If it's health, right? Identify it. If it's your profession, identify it. Do whatever you can. Mm. Right? But now the effort is in a proper direction. Mm. Right? If, if it's, let's say, your relationships are not good, okay? You need to mend them. Running away is not going to fix the problem. Or putting it under the carpet is not going to fix the problem. Let's say you are having issues with emotions, right? You have anger issues, you have perfection issues or whatever. You acknowledge, address it, right? Do whatever you can. Work towards becoming a better self. Yeah. Right? This will help you grow forward with clarity. Otherwise, you're just groping in the dark. Hmm. Yeah. The second thing you understand is that all these are changing. Hmm. That's the key, right? There is never going to be an equilibrium. One of the five is going to be up or down, right? Hmm. And this awareness helps you also accept that life will have its challenges. There will be different spheres of my life which will have challenges. Okay. I do what I can to the best of my ability. Lovely. So can I be better than who I was yesterday? And understanding that change is constant and something or the other is always going to be in a flux. So how can we do the best we can instead of waiting for that perfection to arrive? Exactly. Lovely. Lovely. And curiously, one other thing that you spoke about in your notes that was very interesting for me was how at the root of it all, all of us are very selfish as human beings, right? That is our true nature in a way. And uh, that is what I guess comes in conflict the most times in our relationships, right? That what are our relationships really if selfishness is at the core of it all? So curious to hear your thoughts on it. I normally give the story of Yagyavalka, uh, mm -hmm. who was King Janaka's teacher. Right? So Yagyavalka was one of the greatest sages of that era. And King Janaka was his student. Mm -hmm. So Yagyavalka was so good that it was said that if there was a competition on any topic, he would tell his students to take home the gift or the prize before even the starting of the event. Mm -hmm. Right? So... He studied uh, uh, the Karmakanda section, the ritual part. He also studied the Vedanta part, which is the inquiry of the self. He had two wives, right? He had children. The children got married. They had children. So he had grand, grandkids. So one day, Yagyavaka goes to King Janaka and says, I would like to retire. Okay go to the forest and meditate to know who I, I know who I am, but abide in that knowledge, right? So he says that you're my king, so I need permission from you first. 
in Danaka says, oh, you have my permission, but you'll need to get permission from your wife. Mm. Right? So Yagyavalka had two wives, Kathyayani and Maitri. So he goes home and sits down, has a talk with them and says, listen, I have this much of wealth. Right? We have kids from both, both the wives. They are grown up, they are successful, they are capable of looking after you. I would like to go to the forest and meditate. So, Katyayani was the more practical one, jokingly say. She must have said, Swiggy Maharaj ki jai from tomorrow. No, no more cooking for the old man, you know, relax. I can get up when I want. No more discipline in life. Maitreyi mm-hmm. also actually says, it's okay with me, you can go. The next morning, Maitri gets up and she asks him two questions. Says, First of all, what you're looking for is far more valuable than what you have achieved throughout your life. More than money, name, fame, everything. That I can accept. But my problem is you're leaving your wife and the children who are born through you. Okay. And just turning your back on us. Okay. Did you really love us? Hmm. Right? To which the great master makes the statement, Atmanastu Kamaya Sarvam Priya Bhavati. He says, nobody loves the other person for their own sake. He always loves the other person for his sake. Hmm. He says, the husband loves the wife, not for her sake, but because she is his wife. Mm. loves the children, not because they are children, but because they are his children. Mm. Right? Same with wealth, same with property. He says, everything in this world is love, not for its own sake, right? But for one's own sake. Mm. And this is the truth of life. How do we know it? So let's say you're going out and uh, I think a good example, you, you sat in, you're sitting in a bar, okay? And a couple of drinks down and a group of seven, eight people. And one guy says, hey, you know, while having a shower today, I found a small snake in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think is going to happen in the next 20 minutes? By the time it comes to the last guy, he would have found an anaconda in his bathroom, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right? Or let's say you're sitting down and say, hey, listen, you know, my wife is terrible. Right? Your friends are going to make it a point to show their wives are more terrible than your wife, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So this wanting to be the center of attention, even at a negative cost, just highlights how what Yagya Valkaji said is true, isn't it? Yeah. And with social media and the lack of human communication, interaction this is becoming even more obvious yeah right there is no communication if someone says something nasty to you you just block the number it just shows how relevant it's today it is even in today's modern day life yeah right so once we acknowledge that we love ourselves the most Okay, becomes the starting point of wanting to change our life. 
most people till the end of our, their lives don't even understand this fact mm. right and therefore the entire life is seeking attention seeking name seeking fame right and at any cost so once we under actually accept that our we love ourselves the most then we can probably look at saying hey listen if we love ourselves the most isn't it that everybody loves themselves the most right and if we want a relationship to work it has to be a balance right right as hard hitting as that it is to accept right i can almost hear my phantom self raising its protest saying that's not true that's not true because we are conditioned to believe or want to delude ourselves to believe that oh love is real or what we feel for others is real but in a way we all know the truth that it is for our own sake the way you know he said it and then i guess the question really comes knowing this or realizing or recognizing this in ourselves how do we really fit in like we can't really walk away say we are all born householders and i'm assuming most people who are listening to this are householders who have enough responsibilities and things on their plate so it's not that we can all uh, break our ties and go anywhere and pretend to live or take care of ourselves or our selfish needs in a way we are interdependent as well so how do we really fit in and stay in the society while keeping this realization in our heads see the first thing is what is the worst punishment given to a human being can you think of it lack of isolation no connection so exactly solitary confinement right yeah if that itself is the worst punishment we need to acknowledge that we need relationships Mm-hmm. true right and if if we need to grow in any form even to just sustain life we need relationships i i give this example let's say you have conflicts in milk and sugar jaggery for breakfast right i want you to sit down one day and just pause and ask yourself how many factors have gone into first okay that food coming on the table innumerable yeah innumerable so if you want to live you cannot live in isolation mm-hmm. right first second if you want to grow knowledge wise okay you need help of people you need teachers you need support system therefore if i want to grow intellectually right i need to acknowledge that i need people around me to grow mm. if i need to grow emotionally i need people to know what my current state is and how my emotions work mm. right even if you want to run a business right you need people to help you run the business mm. or even if you want to build a house you don't have the knowledge nor the capability of building the house right so the very fact we start by acknowledging if 
we want a relationship to work, it is our need to make sure it works. We start taking responsibility of it. Hmm. That's the first step. If we want a relationship, it is our need. Right? And what is our need? I have the freedom to engage and disengage, not based on whims and fancies, but on basis of understanding. This, I think, is very important. Because with the modern technology, you know, I mean, you look at the dating apps, you look at the food apps, right? Everything is just at the press of a button and everything can get disconnected at the press of a button, right? You switch off your phone and the world disappears. Yeah. But life is not that. Right? So once we understand it is necessary for us to grow as human beings, as an individual, right? then we are willing to take the next few steps. Very interesting. So the insight that we we do things for our own sake, using that only to take responsibility and say that I need this relationship to work. So how can I be more understanding and actually take responsibility for all my actions in the relationship as well? And using that as a starting point to build a more stronger connection in a way correct very interesting and and you brought this point about how these days uh, you know there's not really communication happening thanks to technology right and a lot of times i feel that is the case for relationships as well because um in my head, I think there are two things, right? One, we don't even know what we need at any given point in time. You know, I might be yelling at my spouse, but it could just be that I'm hungry, right? Exactly. But uh, I don't know what is happening within me. So I'm just reacting to whatever is happening. And two, I'm not able to, even if I know what is happening, articulating what I really need is not very easy, right? So how do we manage those relationships? I mean, where, where does one start? So the first thing um, is call this, there are two kinds of relationships. One is a vertical relationship and the other one is a horizontal relationship. Okay. A vertical relationship is one where one is trying to get superiority over the other. Okay. Right. There's always a struggle. And what happens in such relationships is one is going to get exhausted. Mm. Okay. And either given, become the doormat Okay, or going to walk away. Mm. Okay, walking away may be better than being a doormat because once you're a doormat, the anger is actually seething. Mm. Yeah, right. But that is not a healthy relationship. I would say a horizontal relationship, one where the communications li lines are open, where there's a certain amount of trust. Mm. Okay. And I would say what is the simplest definition of a horizontal relationship is I may disagree with you, okay? But it doesn't mean that I don't love you. Mm. So I love you. We may have different of opinions, different views, but the views and opinions don't determine the quality of my relationship. Mm. 
Okay. The other way you can look at it is saying, I have the courage to be disliked. Yeah. Right? Because I understand that what you're disliking is just one aspect of what I believe in. Mm. Not right? all of me. Exactly. Mm. Right? This is the starting point. So if I'm having difficulties in my relationship, I ask myself, am I, am I in a vertical relationship? Okay, if I am, then I look at how I can get it to a horizontal relationship. And if I'm struggling in a horizontal relationship, I work towards becoming a better partner. Mm. I work on myself, right? Yeah. That's the first point. Okay, the second point I feel is communication. Mm. Okay, and I think uh, in the Gita, okay, Bhagavan Krishna gives a few parameters in communication. He says, first of all, when you speak, make sure your commitment is to speak the truth. Okay. Second is, when you speak the truth, let it be beneficial. Okay. Third is, let it be polite. Right. And the last one, which is the most important one is, not all truth has to be spoken. <laughs> mm. Right? So in our communication, it's more important to understand when to keep quiet than when to talk. How beautiful. And it's invariably the wrong word at the wrong time which gets you into trouble. Yeah. Right? So I think this is the starting point in communication. I asked myself, hey, is it necessary to speak? Mm. Is it necessary to pass a comment? Yeah. Right? And I think that transforms a relationship, gives you that space. Yeah. So powerful. I mean, I don't think any of us stop to think in before we start our arguments or, you know, we are throwing things at each other, all our past crimes at each other. And it's such a beautiful way to think that do we even need to say it? And if we need to say it, is it the truth? Is it going to be beneficial? And can I say it politely? Yeah. Wow. So communication also has a second aspect, which is the content of the communication. Mm -hmm. Right? Why are we communicating? Why do we need to communicate? And what are the factors that we keep in mind in a communication? Right? So the first thing we understand is communication is sharing of information. Yeah. Right? So in a relationship, I'm very clear that I will share the information the way it is and not the way I think it is mm. with my partner or my colleague or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? And I'm open to being ridiculed. Yeah. I'm open to being not accepted, my view not being accepted. But there is honesty. Mm. I share information exactly the way I have understood it. Mm. Right? So the other person knows what he's dealing with. Yeah. And if you're saying that I'm sharing information 
this is how I feel, right? I, I'm willing to open my, change my view. I'm going to keep an open mind, right? It gives the other person comfort. Normally, it is my way or the highway, mm -hmm. okay? And your way is the bad way, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Which doesn't even support having a conversation. So the information sharing with an open mind is the first ingredient of good communication. Okay. The second is acknowledgement. I have understood what you are trying to say. Mm. Right. So very few simple tips, right? Just try and repeat the last three words of the opposite person's statement. Yeah. It's a simple way of saying you're listening. Yeah. Right? Or if there's a conversation, then you try and summarize it. Mm. Right? If someone has done something for you, say it, acknowledge it. Mm. Right? We're willing to say thank you to the whole world. But when it comes to our near and dear ones, we just take it for granted. Yeah. Right? Acknowledging is very important. Right? This is the second point. The third point is in a communication, we need to understand that most people don't come to us for a solution. They just come to vent. Mm. Right? So, you know, someone comes to you and says, hey, I have this problem and immediately you're thinking, what are the options I can give to fix it? Okay? And you say, you know what? Why don't you try this? And the guy still continues. Right? And then you say, this one? No, he still continues. At the end of it, you realize he doesn't want your solution. He just wants to dump it on you, isn't it? Yeah. So one of the simple tools that I use with my kids especially is when I'm talking to them and they're talking to me, I always ask them, are you asking me or are you telling me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll tell you till now, it's always telling me. It's never asking. <laughs> Yeah. The same holds true with everyone else, isn't it? Yeah. Most people come to you to tell you. They don't want to ask. Mm. Right? So I acknowledge, and the best way to do it is I see, oh, really? Oh, wow, that's really bad. Right? Just acknowledge that person's emotions. Mm. Okay? And you go back happy because your solution... You are not offered a solution which has been rejected and that other person has fulfilled his job. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is the second one. The third one. The fourth one is connection. Mm. Right? When we are interacting with people, are we building a connection? Are we conducting ourselves in such a way that tomorrow, let's say, if I meet the other person on the road, he comes up to me to say hello or does he run away from me? <laughs> yeah. Right? And this connection requires an effort on my part. 
the effort of accommodation, understanding, right? Sometimes even patience, right? And if we can do this for a length of time, right? We realize it becomes muscle memory. So every interaction, okay, we are building a connection, right? And again, we are building the connection not for the other person's sake, but for my own sake. Yeah. Right? I give an example. Let's say you work out of a place like we work. Okay? And you're constantly fighting with everyone. Mm -hmm. Right? And one day you happen to get hit by a bike or a car or something. And one of the WeWork members sees you. You say, Hey, yeah, this guy, he deserves this, isn't it? But if let's say you've been nice to the person asking how you are, how was your day, how's your work, and he sees you lying over there, he's not thought will enter, we should go and help. Mm -hmm. right? So building a connection is very important for our own reason. Mm -hmm. I think if we can tick these four boxes off, including the honesty part, I think the quality of most relationships okay, will be for the better. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and I love how simple it is, right? It's just uh, simple tweaks in how we think and how we respond. But I can almost see how the conversation can leave both of our, both of the partners feeling lighter, right? Who, both of the people's feeling lighter. Exactly. Yeah. And this is spirituality. Yeah. No Ganges in sight, but... No Ganges. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much, Ajay, for sharing that. I know this is not the end of our conversations. We are going to be back uh, with another segment soon. Uh, but as we wrap this up for today, uh, any takeaway that you would want listeners to carry with them, apart from the many things we've already spoken, anything that you'd like them to stay with? You know, um, I would like to just share one of the tools that I use, okay? Identify one habit, okay? Which is having a negative impact in your life, yeah. okay? And just stay on working with one habit, right? You know what, within a period of time, the other habits will start undergoing a change naturally. It's like if you have a table which has four legs, mm. right? How many legs do you need to pull to move the table? Just one. Just one. Right? So identify that one area or aspect of your life which you'd like to change. Be diligent. Take small baby steps. Right? Don't bite more than what you can chew. Right? And work on it with consistency. And I'm sure that within a few weeks, you can start seeing results. Right. And this is what I think is like to end my conversation with. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. And we'll be back with another round of our conversations. <laughs>